You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled, Living on the Wrong Side of the Cross. Enjoy. The message this morning is called, Living on the Wrong Side of the Cross. Living on the Wrong Side of the Cross. And you may not know this, but most Christians are actually living on the wrong side of the cross. <laughs> They've come to the cross, which is essential, but they've stopped there, and they've been there for decades, many of them. What do I mean? In their thinking and in their beliefs, in their thinking and their beliefs, they haven't crossed over to the other side of the cross. They're trying to earn a place before God. Their confidence in prayer, if they have any, it comes from how well they think they've done this week or this day or this year. And, and they're trying with, with good intentions to try and please God and trying to do better, but they don't realize that they're getting caught up in their own efforts and their own traditions and own religion. But at Highway Church, we don't have any religion to give you. We don't have any. We just got fresh hot Jesus. We understand that Jesus never came to establish a system of doctrines and rules. He came to set us free, to bring us into a transforming relationship with the one who made us. So that's what we're all about, okay? I'm going to say something that might sound kind of crazy for a pastor, but I'll say it anyway. The cross was not the goal of Jesus. It wasn't. It was not the goal of Jesus. It was the means to the goal. What was the goal? The resurrection. The resurrection was the goal. I like that word resurrection. It comes from a Latin word that simply means to rise again. You can't rise again if you haven't fallen. Right? There's no way to rise again. And you know how funny religious ideas can be? There are actually camps of Christianity that debate whether or not Jesus actually died. They agree that he rose from the dead, but they don't agree that he died. How can you do that? How can you have a resurrection without a death? Silly debates. It's good to be free from all that and just take Jesus at his word, right? So Jesus didn't come to die. He came to rise again. He came to defeat death. And he did it. And all of the darkness that precedes it. And everything that goes with it. And the word resurrection means to rise again. It means I've fallen from the condition. From the original state that I was in. And now I'm made new. I'm brought back to the place that I was originally put in. It means restore to life. It means to revive, to regenerate, to revitalize, to breathe new life into, to bring back to life, to reinvigorate, to resuscitate, to rejuvenate, to stimulate, and I like this one, to reestablish. I believe the Lord is reestablishing people this morning. 
because you've been through stuff that's kind of made you shaky. And he wants to reestablish you in confidence and joy and peace and strength. I like this one, to relaunch. Did you know it's time to blast off? To let God relaunch you into your destiny? To let the resurrection power of Christ lift you up and place you where you belong. So why did a resurrection need to take place? Can we talk, can we be real? I don't like fake anyway. Fake doesn't work. Why did Jesus need to do this? Why did he need to rise again? He was perfect. Because man, the, the, the crown of God's creation, the only beings ever made in his image, fell from their original condition. And I don't know that we really, I don't know that we'll ever fully understand it this side of heaven. But Holy Spirit, help us see what you've redeemed us from. You know that when God created man, he was perfectly healthy. He would never die, couldn't get sick. There wasn't any sickness in the earth. If there was, it couldn't touch him anyway. This is before the fall. He had a, a perfectly whole body just oozing with life. But when, when Adam, the first man, listened to the words of Satan and chose to believe them and put his faith in the words of Satan and exercise and act upon the words of Satan, he rejected God and separated him from the source of life, separated himself. And when he did that, whether he realized it or not, he fell from his original state of glory. And sin became his master. Now, it's, hang with me. This is good news. So don't turn, turn, turn it off yet. Facebook, how you doing? It's good to see you. He's risen. So, so we're going to talk about sin a little bit. Can we do that? Yes. But then we're going to see there's a solution to it. And it's yours today. Sin contaminated the human race. I know this is not a happy subject, but it's true anyway. And some people say, well, I don't know about that. Listen, sin contaminated the human race permanently. What do I mean by permanently? There's no man-made fix for this. CVS doesn't have it. There's no psychologist that has it, no psychiatrist, no, no physician. There's no fix for sin. If you don't believe me, if you don't believe me that sin has contaminated the human race, just turn on the news. I mean, how many people have watched news in the last month? It's bizarre what's going on in the world. I mean, if it doesn't make you go, you know, sometimes you get conditioned to it, like, oh, yeah, I'm used to that. No, we weren't meant to live this way. Sin has made mankind grossly dysfunctional. Grossly. We weren't meant to hate people. Hatred wasn't a part of our original design. Anger, murder, lying, dishonesty, wars. That's, that's, that's the effects of the contaminated nature of man. Denying sin doesn't make it go away. Right? Giving it a sophisticated name doesn't lessen its effects. 
You ever heard the story of the emperor and his new clothes? <laughs> I like that story. But that's kind of what like denying sin is or giving it a, a sophisticated name. Seeing the emperor in new clothes. Have you ever heard that story? The emperor in his new clothes? I'll tell you a little bit. It's really good. So there's these two tailors that are, that are charlatans. And they go to the emperor and say, Emperor, we have these skills. We've got skills. And we're going to make for you a special suit, special clothes. And these clothes are unlike any other clothes in all the world. When you put these clothes on, they're so special that if anyone looks at you and can't see the clothes that we've made, it means they're stupid and incompetent. So they reveal who's stupid and incompetent, these special clothes. And they, they went and they made their special clothes, but they really didn't make anything. And they came before the emperor and said, here's your, your suit jacket right here. There is nothing there. But remember, he believed them. He's, if I can't see it, I'm going to be labeled stupid and incompetent. So he went, oh, that's beautiful. Let me try that on. He put their invisible coat on. They said, and here's the trousers. I mean, the, 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 these, are, these, are, these are in right now really they're beautiful let me put them on and he was done dressing and he's standing there buck naked <laughs> and they're saying oh you look great you look great he said i want to parade my new clothes all over the city <laughs> do you guys know this story i'm not making this up it's just a uh, a story but it's fun so he goes out in his new clothes <laughs> and has a parade and but that, but the kingdom has been informed that if anyone doesn't recognize these new clothes they're, it reveals their ignorance, their stupidity and incompetence. So the people say, wow, look at the emperor's new clothes. And he's going down the street buck naked. And a little kid says, but he's not wearing anything. That's what it's like when you try and slap another name on sin. We're not fooling anyone. Sin is sin. And it doesn't take away its effects. What it does is, is it puts you in the dark and you never get free from it until you recognize it for what it is. And no one could define sin for us but Jesus. It's not something we made up. It's something we created. It took mankind 4,000 years from the fall to hear the word of God, to believe it, to speak it enough so that Jesus could come into the earth. But now that he's come, the sin problem has been solved. This is the good news. The problem of sin, the solution for sin has come. And you want to know something? Most Christians don't know it. The sin problem has been solved. I would get yelled at in some Christian circles for saying that. Don't you see what's going on in the world? I do. But I also see what's written. I also know what Jesus has done. The sin problem has been solved. You can live free from sin from this moment on for the rest of your life. Not by trying harder. Not by praying more and reading your Bible more but by simply believing in what Jesus did for you. This is amazing. Let's read about the solution 
to the sin problem on Easter Sunday. Because this is what the resurrection is all about. God wants to lift you up and put you back in your original state where you are strong and whole and full of life and peace. Let's go to Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Let's put that up there. Let's read about the solution. It's good to know what the problem is, but it doesn't do us much good if we don't have an answer. So it's good to recognize sin, but if you don't have an answer for it, it's not going to help you. Here's the answer. Jesus is the answer to sin. Romans chapter 5 verse 12. This then is what happened. Sin made its entry into the world through one man. Who is that? Adam. Right? And through sin, death. The entail of sin and death passed on to the whole human race. I know of no greater tragedy. Nothing more abhorrable than this. And no one could break it. For no one was himself free from sin. You can't educate yourself out of this. And mankind has become very arrogant. Thinking with certain degrees this doesn't exist anymore. That we have the answers now. That anyone that says the emperor is naked is stupid and incompetent. That anyone that says a sin is real and that Jesus is the answer is primitive and incompetent. But this is the truth anyway. And no matter how much I deny it, it's not going to help me. Get in on it. Receive God's love for you. Look at verse 15. But the free gift. Now you know a free gift is free to you. But it's not to the person who purchased the gift, right? But it is free to you. If you're working for it, if you're trying to earn it, it's not a gift. It's a free gift from God the Father to mankind. It's not like the offense. For if by the one man's offense, who is that one man? Adam. Many died. Much more. The grace of God and the gift. Is it a free gift? Can you earn it by praying 10 hours a day? By going to church every week? Can't. It's free. It's yours for the taking. By the grace of the one man. Who's that one man? Jesus Christ. The scriptures also refer to Jesus as the last Adam. It abounded, overflowed. It's more than enough for everyone. Look at verse 17. I like Romans. Amazing book. It'll set you free if you believe it. For if by the one man's offense, death reigned through the ones. There it is. That's when we were slaves to death. What a pretty picture. Death, sin reigned over us before we put our faith in Christ. Many Christians don't know that we're free from it now. Have you ever heard a Christian say, I'm a sinner saved by grace? That is an ignorant statement. If you've put your faith in Christ, you're not a sinner anymore. The truth, we could say, I was a sinner, but now I'm saved by grace. Now I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm God's child. I'm clean forevermore. For if by the one man's offense, where did I stop at? We start verse 17. Death reigned through the one much more. Much more, those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, very similar to verse 15, isn't it? Will reign in life 
through the one Jesus Christ. So when we just read that, we can see what? It's God's will for us to what in life? Over what? Sickness, disease, death, darkness, sin, and all the stuff that goes with it. We find the will of God in the promises of God. We'll get to that in a minute. Verse 18, therefore as through one man's offense, Adam, judgment came to all men. Boo. <laughs> Resulting in condemnation. Even so through one man's righteousness. And the what kind of gift? Yeah, it doesn't cost you a dime. And the free gift came. What was the price for that gift? The Son of God right? Everything God could give. Even so, through one man's righteous act, and the free gift came to how many? Everybody, all men, resulting in what? Justification of life. Are you telling me that the worst sinner in the world, if he puts his faith in Christ, becomes immediately justified before God? Yes. If he believes it. If he understands it, in a moment the Holy Spirit will regenerate him, will reestablish him, will relaunch him, and he will be born from above. Amen. Look at verse 17 in the Philip's New Testament. I like this. For if one man's offense meant that men should be slaves to death all their lives, man, that's a miserable place to be. There's no hope there. There's no getting out of it apart from Christ. It is a far greater thing that through another man, Jesus Christ, men by their acceptance of his more than sufficient grace and righteousness. So you got to accept it, right? See, if we deny sin, we don't realize that we're denying the grace of God. <laughs> why do we need it if there's no sin, right? Why, why, why all the sacrifice? We see then as, that as, oh, excuse me, I want, let me finish verse 17 by their acceptance of his more than sufficient grace and righteousness, should live all their lives like kings. So what's God's will for you? To live like a king. Satan under your feet for the rest of your life. Verse 18, we see then that as one act of sin exposed the whole race of men to God's judgment Boo. and condemnation. So one act of perfect righteousness presents all men, everybody, freely acquitted. Can we have verse 18 there, guys? We have verse 18. If we don't, I'll just read it. In the Phillips, that's okay. All right, I'll just finish reading it. We see then that as one act of sin exposed the whole race of men to God's judgment and condemnation, so one act of perfect righteousness presents all men freely acquitted in the sight of God. There it is. You're freely acquitted. Wow. This is good news. All you have to do is believe it and receive it. So Romans 8 verse 1, let's stay in Romans for a little bit, says this, therefore there is zero condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What does it mean? How do you know if you're in Christ Jesus? You've put your faith in who he is 
and what he's done for you. Once you do that, you're in him and no one can take you out of him. Isn't that wonderful? How about if you put your faith in him and then totally blow it and do something stupid? Are you still in him? Of course. Wow, what a difficult life it would be if, if every time we messed up, we got kicked out. That's not the Father that saved us. You're in him, and he'll never kick you out because he loves you too much. He's always for you. He's never against you. His love is fully extended to you 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and nothing you do will ever change that. Now, what we do can affect us. It can change the quality of our lives and bring confusion and heartache and, and, and anxiety and a number of other things, but that doesn't mean He doesn't love you. It's not His will that you live that way. It's His will that you come to Him and let Him transform you and become the person you are made to be. The world doesn't know who you are. See, this is the, the emperor's clothes thing. you got a, grown adults with, with, with degrees and accomplishments trying to tell you you're something that you're not. And they don't even realize it because they're denying it in their own lives. Why would you listen to them? They didn't create you. Man doesn't know who you are because man didn't create you. You know what PC is, right? Politically correct? Well, we're definitely not that. And we're not RC either. You know what RC is? Religiously correct. We're not that either. So you got to just, just relax when you're here. Just receive God's love for you. It's amazing the things that I hear grown adults telling other people. You see it on the news. They've come up. Instead of calling sin for what it is, they've created a pretty, a pretty name for it, a sophisticated name. And as a result, people accept that thinking, and they're trapped in it until they realize, wait a minute. This isn't who I am. This, I wasn't made to live like this. God loves me and he made me to live as his son and as his daughter. We doing okay? Yes. There's no condemnation for those who put their faith in Christ. I'll take it. Verse 2. Because, why is that? Through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free. How free? completely free forever from the law of sin and death through faith in Christ you are set free from the law of sin and death you don't have to walk on eggshells anymore look at it in the Phillips New Testament no condemnation zero now hangs over the head of those who are in, there it is again, Jesus Christ. So you'll see here, as you read through the scriptures, although it's God's will, and he's done it, and he's provided for you, it doesn't automatically happen in our lives. And that's where a lot of Christians get confused. Well, if it's God's will, it would have happened. No. You've got to believe it. You've got to stand on it and not let anyone take you off of it. You've got to reject wrong ideas about yourself, about other people, and about him. And you've got to take him at his word. Or you're not going to experience it. Verse 2 in the Phillips. 
for the new spiritual principle of life in Christ, oh, I like this, lifts me out of the old vicious circle of sin and death. It lifts you right out of it forever. And sin is a frustrating thing. Because, man, you know, initially you know it's kind of wrong, but then people can kind of talk you into it, and after a while you can convince yourself that it's all right. But way down deep inside there's this, nah, I need to change, I shouldn't be doing this. And it's a miserable place. And you can just try and push that further down. It's like, no, oh, it's okay. I just, this is just a syndrome. This is just a psychological condition. This is, you know, this is just a, something different. We're in the 2018 now. You know, it just, it's, I'm not primitive. Or what? Just try and push it down. But way down in here, it's still gnawing at you, saying this is not who you are. Amen. You can be free from this. You can live the good life God came to live, give you. Amen. Through simple faith in Jesus. I'm so glad that we don't have to create our own solution. That we don't have to create our own version of Jesus. He's for everybody. He's for everybody. Look at the message translation. Man, I like this. Verse 1. With the arrival of Jesus the Messiah, that fateful dilemma the gnawing inside, the, the vicious cycle of continuing to fall and mess up. It's resolved. Those who enter into Christ being here for us, he's here for you all the time. Those who enter into it, in other words, those who believe in what he's done, those who receive the truth about who he is, no longer have to live under a continuous low-lying black cloud. Verse 2. This is Easter morning. A new power is in operation. It's time to relaunch. A new power is in operation. The spirit of life in Christ, like a strong wind, has magnificently cleared the air, freeing you from a faded lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. You ready for a shocker? 2 Corinthians 5.21 God made Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us. When did Jesus become sin? Anyone know? On the cross. Have you read in the Gospels where he's just about to breathe his last breath and he looks up to his father and he says, my father, my, or father, father, why? Or my God, excuse me. I don't think he says father there, does he? He doesn't. Aha. Thank you, Holy Spirit. He says, my God, my God. Prior to that, he calls him father. What happened? He became sin. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that's what sin does. Sin can't see God as Father. Sin sees itself alienated from God. God, you're this powerful creator, but you've betrayed me. You've turned your back on me. No, he hasn't. He's never left you. We left him. So Jesus was made sin on the cross. There are theologians that will argue over this. It's true anyway. 
He was made sin on the cross. Why would God do that? This is the only time in history that God and the Son were separated. He actually died. This is amazing. The Son of God became sin and was separated from His Father. And no one could do anything about it. It was the will of God. Why? He tells us. So that in Him, you today might become a little bit better of a person. As clean as God is clean. Perfectly righteous. So that you would receive a righteousness that is directly from God. That no one can take away from you. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 6. We're still looking at the solution. Is that okay? We might as well eat up, right? This is an all-you-can-eat buffet. Come get some more Jesus. Verse 4. Therefore, look at this now. So if you've put your faith in Christ, you were buried with him. Through baptism into death. Why? In order that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so you too might walk in newness of life. Jesus was separated from his Father, but what happened on the third day? God says, it is enough. The price has been paid. Rise again. And Jesus whipped Satan thoroughly. He stripped him of, the, of all the authority he had stolen from Adam. And he rose from the dead. And he appeared to his disciples for 40 days. Reassuring them of what he accomplished for them. And when you put your faith in him, that same spirit that lifted the dead Christ out of the grave and made him alive again, that brought the alienated one back into relationship with his father, is the same spirit that will do that in you. Amen. Amen. Yes, yes. Hallelujah. Verse, uh, let's go to 2 Corinthians 5.17. There's so many good things in this buffet. I don't want to skip any. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, kind of like going to the Brazilian grill. You ever been to the Brazilian grill? It's like you've got to go through that buffet 72 times to get everything. They've got all these little different salads. It's like, oh, I've got to come back and try that thing. Man. All right. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, this is for everybody. He's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Wow. Philip's New Testament. Let's do that one. This is that special salad. I like the Philip's. For if a man is in Christ, he becomes a new person altogether. Satan will never tell you that. Listen, you may have accepted Christ 10 years ago. But you, you've made mistakes. Maybe you feel like you're, you're, you're distanced yourself from him or he's not close anymore. He is. You just need to realize that. And Satan will come along and tell you you're not a new person altogether. Look at you. Look at the mistakes you've made. Look how, look how many times you did that and you're still doing it. God doesn't say that to you. He said, when you put your faith in my son, you became a new person altogether. And nothing can take that from you. The past is finished and gone. Woo! The 
The past is finished and gone. The past is finished and gone. You're brand new. You're brand new. You're brand new. Everything has become fresh and new. See, that's what Satan's trying to do. He's trying to keep that film on the window so you can't see or in the mirror so you can't see how new you are. He tries and, you know, fogs up the mirror. What, what, how does he fog up the mirror? By telling you that, that, that you're not who you used, that you're not where you used to be with God. That, that, that God, you know, is, is really disappointed in you. And God is, God is, you know, he's not interested in continuing with you. You've got to clean your act up first. Man, if that's the case, we're all done. Come to God as you are. Can you imagine trying to clean yourself off before you take a bath? It's strange. But that's what many churches teach people to do. Doesn't work. Now, we're almost done. What's on the other side of the cross? We started by saying, talking about living on the wrong side of the cross. What's on the other side of the cross? The resurrection, right? A brand new life. A fresh, uh, uncontaminated, is that a word? Life. The promised land is on the other side of the cross. Jesus celebrated the Passover with his disciples the night before he was crucified. And you know what the Passover is? is it was something that marked the passing over of destruction upon every house that had the blood of the lamb on it. It also marked the passing over of God's people out of Egypt, out from under Pharaoh's authority, out from underneath the bondage of slavery into the liberty of walking with God and living in the promised land. That was the first Passover. But many don't know that Jesus instituted a new Passover. We're not in Egypt anymore. This new Passover applies to anyone, no matter what geographical location they're in. This new Passover is, is not leaving Egypt and coming to a geographical location. The new Passover that Jesus implemented is a passing over out from underneath the authority of Satan and the power of darkness into the kingdom of his love and life. It's not a geographical location. It's a quality of life. Jesus called it abundant life. This is what's on the other side of the cross. Put John 10.10 10 up there. Many Christians have yet to enter this because they stopped at the cross. See, it's the thief that tells you lies. It's a thief that comes to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus said of himself, I came so that you may have and enjoy life. When? Now. At this very moment. And that you might have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. So how do we cross over? I mean, you may, you may be someone who hasn't put their faith in Christ, or maybe you did put your faith in Christ, but you've been living on the front side of the cross. 
You haven't crossed over to the third day when he rose. You have been living and enjoying the abundant life he came to give you. How do you cross over? Are you ready for this? Two more scriptures. Uh, three more, and then we're done. Look away from religion. That's how you cross over. Turn your eyes off of man's religious philosophies and man's philosophies altogether. Look away from religious tradition, the ideas of man, and fix your gaze on the real Jesus. Through the real Jesus, every promise of God, that's one of them, has become a provision of God for you now. Now there are some promises that do speak specifically of our time with Him in heaven. But many of them are for us now and this is one of them. Let's look at it. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 18. We're almost done. How do you, where do you find the real Jesus at, by the way? Because you can go to different churches and hear different things. How do you find him? Yeah. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. The first five books of the New Testament. Now, he's in every book. But I pick those, I, I say those books regularly because literally he's on earth in the flesh. You, there's no clearer picture of God in, in writing that you will find than Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. And I like to read it. My covers kind of fall off. But I like to read it. I, I do use uh, versions on my phone. I've got a bunch of those through Olive Tree or Version, and, and I've got a bunch of on my laptop. But man, I like this physical. Look how much you can see that you can't see that much on your phone. So get a physical Bible. I'm telling you, get one and man, read it. Not because we're trying to get to heaven or trying to please God, but because we want to experience Him. We want to live the life He came to give us. Right? So that's how you look at Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, and you study Him. And you take Him at His word. Here it is, 2 Corinthians 1.18. I love this. But as surely as God is faithful, you can't get any more sure than that. Our message at Highway Church is not yes and no to you. There are some yes churches and there are some no churches. We're a yes church. Amen. It's good to know where you're at, why we're here. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who is preached among you, this is Paul writing, by me and Silas and Timothy was not yes and no. So Jesus is a yes God. That's why he says ask so many times. Because he's a yes God. Amen. Religion portrays him as a for, foreboding no God. But Jesus portrayed him clearly as a yes God. The leper came to him and said, if it's your will, you can make me clean. I could be clean. One translation says, of course it's my will. The reason that man didn't know is he had been listening to the Pharisees, to religious leaders instead of to the heart of God. When you listen to Jesus, you realize it's his will for you to be whole, spirit, soul, and body for the rest of your lives. Wow. 
I'm just listening to the Holy Spirit. I don't know if I should say this or not. I believe there's someone either listening online or here, and God has a husband for you. It's a woman. And God has a husband for you, a man. But you're going to miss it if you don't embrace Jesus. The marriage you long for is found in Jesus. The love your heart is craving finds its satisfaction in Jesus. Be encouraged. In Jesus, it's always been yes. I love that. I love Jesus. I need him. Verse 20. For no matter how many promises God has made, and there's a bunch of them, from Genesis to Revelation, doesn't matter how many, they are yes in Christ. Every promise God has made. What does that mean? When you're reading your Bible and you come across a promise, grab it. Put it in your heart. Eat that thing. Chew it 132 times. Swallow it. Meditate on it. It belongs to you now. Jesus purchased it for you. It's yours now. It's not based on your behavior. It's based on his performance, on his behavior. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. So how do we cross over? We study Jesus, we learn the promises of God, and then we speak them over our lives. That's what the, see, this, the amen is spoken by who? You got to say this. God's already done his part. Don't wait for him any longer. It's time for you to act. It's time for you to learn what he's done for you. Then open up your mouth and speak it over your life. Himself bore my sicknesses and carried my diseases. Matthew 8, 17. Amen. Amen over my life. The chastisement for, for our well-being was upon him and with the stripes that wounded Jesus, we have been healed. Amen over my life. Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. You learn what belongs to you. First Peter, next to last scripture. Then we'll be Philippians 3 and we're done. Excuse me, 2 Peter 1. 2 Peter 1. You would be a surprise at how many Christians don't know the promises of God. It's astounding. And you'll say a promise to God and they think you've instituted some new doctrine. <gasps> Stay away from that person, right? That's a cult. Don't go there. Actually, Jesus said these things. And we believe them. Even if you haven't accepted him yet, we're going to take him at his word. I keep spitting on my coat. That's very unattractive. All right. I'll just wipe it with my hand, you know. Just like, that's even more unattractive. Okay. Second Peter 1, verse 2. Grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. 
and peace, irene, wholeness, well-being, and prosperity will be multiplied to you by studying Jesus. Learning who he really is. Not who a pastor told you he is. But who he is in here. Read it. Hot off the press. In the knowledge of God. That's experiential knowledge. And of Jesus our Lord. Let's look at verse 3. Seeing that his divine power has granted to us. That's a past tense statement. Is it not? It's already done. Has granted to us what? Everything. Pertaining to life and godliness. Through the true knowledge. There is fake knowledge out there. You've heard of fake news? Well, there's fake knowledge out there, right? And it's oftentimes preached in churches, unfortunately. We want to preach this. The true knowledge of Him. This is what sets you free. The true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. Look at verse 4. For by these he has granted. Past tense again. It's already done. We don't have to petition God and cry and fall on our face and fast and pray. Just believe. I'd love to see less praying and more believing. You'd save yourself a ton of time and a ton of grief. Instead of falling on your knees and crying and weeping for hours. Why don't you just take him at his word? Believe what he's done for you. It's done. It's done. It's done. It's done. It's done. For by these he's granted to us his precious and magnificent. What if you took your prayer time just to worship him? And experience his presence. And let him reveal his destiny to you by the power of his spirit through his word. Instead of, oh God, no, no. I've been there. Man, I've been there. Years ago. I thought that maybe somehow he'd hear me better if I pounded the floor and cried more. He already granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. No pounding the floor needed. In order that by them, by what? His precious and magnificent promises, what happens when we believe them and speak them over our lives? We experience His nature. We partake of His divine nature. We escape the corruption that's in the world. This is how you cross over. You make Jesus the passion of your life. Not religious Jesus. The Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts Jesus. The real Jesus. And now our relationship with him is the focus of all we do. That doesn't mean we just go in our bedroom and pray all the time. It's good to do that. It means that when we're working, we're conscious of God's love for us. We know now that Jesus is living inside of us. We don't have to go around yelling at people or telling them what they're doing is wrong or, or judging them. That's not our position. We can love people. Someone swears in front of you, you can smile. And say, would you like a cup of coffee? Yeah, you can. Why? Because we know something they don't know yet. How much God loves them and how much he loves you. Last scripture, then we're done. Last scripture. This, is, this unlocks it all right here. And it's become uh, my heart's juice over the years. Make 
this the purpose of your life? My determined purpose is that I may know him. What does that mean? That I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with Jesus. Perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. That I may in the same way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection which it exerts over believers. Amen. Amen. It's time to experience the resurrection power of Christ. There may be some marriages on Facebook or here that need a resurrection. God can do that. Boy, can he do that. Say, how do I do that? Just what we just said. Make Jesus the passion of your marriage. Anytime you think about your spouse, speak the word of God. Say, God, thank you. The love of God has been shed abroad in me. It's been shed abroad in my wife. Thank you, Lord, that your love flows freely between us. Thank you for being the Lord of our marriage. Thank you, Lord, for leading us by your spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for, for being the one who presides over this relationship. Thank you for, for enabling us to walk in your grace and your love and love you and love one another more. This is how you pray over your marriage. When you think about your marriage, you don't think, I can't believe he did that again. Do you know how many times he's done that? That's it. I've had it. That is not this. Right? I know we feel like that. I don't know. You know, there are times in my life, since I've known the Lord, I felt like quitting. But then I took my eyes off of how I felt and what I've been through. And I started to remember the, the love of Christ. I started focusing on him more. And he, he restored me and he filled me up again with strength and new hope and new life. And the things that, that seemed like they were over became new in my life. Yes, yes. Are you here this morning? Is there anyone listening maybe on Facebook? If you're on Facebook and you want to respond to us, just DM us. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.